If you brought a Bible with you this morning, open with me, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to continue in this series that the Lord's had us in since the beginning of the year. Many members, one body. Didn't Sarah do an awesome job over the last several weeks? Amen. Amen. I'm telling you what the Lord said to her and through her. is so needed for this church, so powerful, and if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and get it. These are words that we're going to build this church on. And without realizing it, uh, she helped me see that really what this whole study is that we're in together is a study in the love of God. And I've, I've wondered this for years. I've toyed around with the idea of experimenting on a church. <laughs> what would happen if you took a year and you did nothing else but focus on the love of God? What if you said nothing else besides he loves us and you look for every imaginable way to say it, articulate it, express it, man, what would happen to us? What would happen to us? You're going to see today exactly what would happen to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, Paul, writing by the Spirit of God, said, For as the body is one and has how many members? Many. many members. But all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Notice how many times he's saying this over and over. Many members, many members, one body. He said in verse 15, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? In other words, does your foot get to make that call? Does, does any particular member of your body ever get to speak up and make a decision and say, I'm done with you, I'm out of here, I'm no longer part of this body? No. He said it doesn't get to make that decision. It's still part of the body. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Could your ear develop eye envy? Well, I'm out of here. He gets to be an eye, I, don't, I just get to be this ear stuck over here on the side. Forget this, I'm done. He said, if your ear said that, would it, would it not be part of the body? No, it's part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, weird, but where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Notice this in verse 18. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as it pleased him, just as he pleased. There's a reason your eyes are where they are. There's a reason your ears are where they are. There's a reason your hand and your foot and your arm and your leg, there's a reason they are where they are. Yes, it's the evolutionary biology. You see, as we developed and aged over billions of years, oh, shut up. <laughs> no, there's a reason your members are where they are, and the reason is it pleased God to put them there. He has set the members where it pleases him. Verse 19, if they were all one member, 
where would the body be? But now indeed there are, say it with me, many members yet one body. One more time. There are many members yet one body. Now, of course, the Spirit of God is speaking through Paul, and he's not just writing to that church. He's writing to the body of Christ, then the body of Christ, now the body of Christ forever. This is revelation for the eternal body of Christ. But in addition to that, it's revelation not only for the body, but for this body. You've heard people say this before. Maybe you've even said it. I just wish I knew my place in this world. What's my place in this world? But let me tell you something. Believers don't talk like that. Believers don't think like that. You are not looking for your place in this world. What you are looking for is your place in the body. Your place in the body. To look for your place in the world is to ask the world to give you your identity. To look for your place in, in, in a godless world is to give that world the power to name you to tell you who you are and what you are and to set limits in your life. That's why you're not looking for your place in this world. You're looking for your place in this body. What's my place in the body of Christ? I'm going to find my identity there because once I find my place, then I'll find my grace, that thing God's given me to do. And people get this backwards so much of the time. They're looking for what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? But if you will find your place, so often your place will tell you and inform you of your grace. I don't wonder what this hand is for. I know what this hand is for. I know what this hand is grace to do. And the indicator of that grace comes just from knowing its place. It's, it's where it is for a reason. Because i got to reach out and grab a hold of stuff. Because i got to get a firm grip on some things sometimes. And you know what? When I try to do it with my foot, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating. And this is the source of so much frustration in people's lives. Trying to do something in a place they're not called into. Trying to do something without a grace that it takes to do it. There's a reason I don't walk around on my hands. They're not graced to hold me up. That grace belongs to my feet. How do I know that? Look where they are. Their place reveals their grace. When you find out your place, the next thing you find out is your grace. It was um, Christmas, Christmas Eve this year. A lot of you were here for our Christmas Eve service. It was a sweet service. We had a good time in worship and in the Word. And all our kids were in here with us. And we just spent about an hour. It was a wonderful time. When we got done, we dismissed everybody. We had milk and cookies in the lobby. Uh, but before one of the kids went out to the lobby, he's actually one of our, the kids of one of our staff members. He came up to me. I was right about here. Hadn't even made it off stage yet. He came up to me and he said, you need to make up a rhyme. I said, a rhyme? What are you talking about? He said, a rhyme. He said, you had a rhyme last year. In 2022, you'll know what to do. You need a rhyme. You need a rhyme for 2023. And he turned and walked away. I was like, yes, Lord, is this you? 
And you know, I didn't, I, it really didn't stick with me until a few days later I was in my office at home just seeking the Lord, praying about this year, and I remembered what little Eli said to me. You need a rhyme. And I kid you not, without trying to make something up, I wouldn't think, what rhymes? What? It just hit me like this. In 2023, you'll know where to be. You'll know exactly where you're supposed to be. Glory to God. So you can thank God and that 12-year-old, 11-year-old for that big-time revelation right there. In 2023, I'll know where to be. How about you? Can you say it? In 2023, I'll know where to be. What are we talking about? Your place. Your place in the body. Now, here's the deal. If you hadn't found it yet, don't get depressed. Don't get frustrated. Don't get upset. Just stay with it. Actually, there's two keys, I believe, to finding your place in the body of Christ when you don't know it. Number one, stay full of faith. Satan would love nothing more than to whisper in your ear, this is, you don't fit here. You don't belong here. You don't bring anything to the table. You ought to just leave here. No, that's not us. We're to stay in faith. Even when you don't yet know what the place is, you stay in faith. God's got a place for me. I am not a throwaway part. I'm not an extra part. I'm not a useless part. I am needed in this body of Christ. You stay in faith. You stay full of faith. And what else? You stay faithful. Oh, I don't know if you heard me. These two things right here are going to help you find your place in the body this year. You stay full of faith and you stay faithful. What's that mean? It means when you've been given a little something to do, Treat it like it's a lot and stay with it and stay with it and stay with it and don't bail on it. Don't back off it. Don't minimize it. Don't belittle it like it's insignificant. But when your church calls on you or, or, or uh, whoever God's connected you to gives you opportunity to serve somewhere in the kingdom of God, I don't care if it's holding a door open. You get excited about it and you do it week in and week out with a smile on your face. Maybe you're not going to stand there and hold the door for the rest of your life, but if you'll be faithful with a little, you'll be made ruler over much. This is how you find your place in the body. Say amen if you believe it. Go to the book of Ephesians with me. Lord, help me. I've already taken too much time. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read several verses here. Beginning in verse 4, Ephesians chapter 4, he says, there is one body. I want you to notice how many times he uses the word one and how familiar this is to what we've read in 1 Corinthians 12 already. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Don't you just love it when the Spirit of God gets carried away? Yeah. He just starts preaching. There's one God. How many gods are there? One God. There's one Father. How many fathers do we have? One Father. Who is, he's the Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. But notice verse 7. He said, but to each one. So there's a contrast here. Yes, there is one body. 
Yes, there is one Lord, one Spirit, one God, and one Father, one faith. But just like he said in 1 Corinthians 12, there's many members. He's saying the same thing here. But to each one, talking about us, to each one of us was given, excuse me, to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Who got grace? Each one. Each one of us got grace. Every single one of us, every single part, every single member of the body got a grace. You got a grace. And you got a grace. And you got a grace. Anybody remember that episode of Oprah a few years back? When everybody in the congregation, congregation, audience, remember that? You got a car. And you get a car. And you get a car. Well, I'm standing in front of you this morning saying, you get a grace, and you get a grace, and you get a grace, and you get a grace. And some of you are sitting there going, I'd rather have a car. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You'd rather have this grace. You'd rather have this grace, this gift of God. Somebody say, I'd rather have the grace. To each one was given grace. Now, fast forward. He's going to tell you about some of these gifts. He says in verse 11, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Why were we given these gifts and these graces? Well, here's why. Verse 12, For the equipping of the saints for the work, or so that the saints could do the work of the ministry. You need some equipping to do the work and the job God's called you to do. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Other translations use the word perfecting of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a, and here's this word again, perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children. That we should no longer be children. He was not writing this to the children's church of Ephesus. He's writing this to the grown-ups, to big church. Would you have to write to grown-ups and say, grow up? Would you have to write to a room full of adults and say, you need to grow up? And he's saying this is the result of sitting under these ministry gifts, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's a number of things happening every time we come together around the Word. And really what we're doing right now is answering this question, why church? Why church? And there's a lot of people that have fooled themselves, deceived themselves into saying, I'm good with Jesus, it's religion I don't like. What you're trying to say is, I'm good with God, I don't need church. But if you're not sitting under these gifts from God, again, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, then you're not getting equipped. You're out there trying to do your job without the equipment to do it. You're not getting edified, built up. There's no perfecting taking place. And guess what? You're a child. Oh, man, that went over so good. Did you feel it? If you're not receiving from these gifts and these graces, it's keeping you childish. And he says, we need to grow up, that we'd no longer be children. And here's one of the big indicators you're a child, tossed to 
and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Have you noticed this about children? They're not exactly a picture of emotional stability, are they? And that's okay, because they're children. They're a child. Again, he's not writing this to the children's church. I'm not speaking this morning to the children's church. It's okay to be a child when you're a child. But he said that we would no longer be children. Now, here's one of the big indicators you're still childish. Tossed to and fro. Back and forth. Up and down. Good, then bad. Happy, then sad. This is an indicator of some childish things that are still hanging around. And we know this about our children. Man, they can go from zero to 60, can't they? They can go from happy, happy, happy to sad, 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 right back to happy, happy, happy in just a few seconds. They're not a picture of stability. They're not a a picture of what it means to be even-keeled and stable. He said that we'd no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And then he talked about the the cunning craftiness and the trickery of men. That's another thing about kids. They'll believe anything. They'll believe anything anybody tells them. This is why we had whole generations of younger brothers and sisters that believed for years they were adopted. Why? Because they got older brothers and sisters that came along and said, don't tell mom I told you this. But we just found you. Yeah, you're not even related. Now, don't tell mom I told you. Yeah, we just found you, and, and we don't know who your real parents are. No, uh Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Really? Uh, yeah. uh, believe anything. Believe anything. And that's okay for a while. But he's talking to us about growing up. He said that we would no longer be children, but first, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. See, now he's talking about the body, talking about Jesus, the head, from whom, verse 16, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working, that just means the power by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying, the perfecting, the building up of itself in love. And see, this is what Sarah brought to us over the last several weeks in the revelation that this body will grow, but it'll grow by love. It's love that causes the body to grow. For lack of a better word, love is our, our steroid Love is what's just going to get us jacked up, man. I mean, it's the love of God working in us, working through us, on display in us. Love is what's going to build this body. But remember, he's connecting it to what happens through these gifts, these graces of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The perfecting building of the body. Will you bring me that book, please? This is a book by a man named Rick Renner. 
who is, who is on his way to see us, as you've heard already today. Rick's going to be with us next week, Pastor Rick. And guess who else is going to be here next week? You are. And uh, I, I dug into this book. This is a 733-page book called Apostles and Prophets, Their Roles in the Past, the Present, and the Last Days. It's like a college textbook. And I dug into this thing a week ago, two weeks ago, and I finally finished chapter one. Um, <laughs> I feel like that, that says more about my reading than it does Rick's writing because it's really powerful. But I want to read some things to you in preparation of him coming next week. And, and this has everything to do with what we're talking about. Do you mind if story time with pastor today? Is that okay? Let me read to you about... Uh, what we're studying here in Ephesians chapter 4. Rick says this um, in chapter 1. After Paul listed the fivefold ministry gifts, he went on to state in Ephesians 4.12 that they were given by Jesus for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. When Paul said these gifts were explicitly given for the express purpose of perfecting the saints, the Holy Spirit wanted to convey an important point. This perfecting, he said, this perfecting work was and is so critical to the health, well-being, power, and effectiveness of the church in the earth then and for the remainder of the church age. The word perfecting is from the Greek word kataridzo, which is a compound of kata and aridzo. The prefix, prefix kata or kata gives the impression of something moving downward. And the basic meaning of aridzo is to adjust. The word kata is an intensifier and pictures a movement from the top to the bottom. And when compounded with aridzo, it pictures an adjustment or a tweak that is being made from the top to the bottom. It implies that due to these adjustments and tweaks, whatever's been adjusted and tweaked is in good working order and can now function correctly. See, this is what's supposed to be happening every time you and I get together around the Word. Adjustments are supposed to be being made. Tweaks to the way we think, to the way we talk, to the way we live. This is the perfecting that takes place as the result of the gifts in the body. This should be happening all the time. He went on to say, this word also pictured people. Now listen, this is what I want to get to today. He said, this word also pictured people doing their parts to connect. Somebody say connect. And to assemble. This word pictured people doing their parts to connect and assemble various elements like stones, materials, ligaments, or joints. So when people in the early New Testament heard the word perfecting or katarizo, they would... Um, Excuse me, they could easily envision leaders doing what they were called by God to do to connect and assemble the various elements of teaching and doctrine in the life of the believer. See, this is what happens when we study the Word of God under His anointing. We start connecting dots. Now, I've been preaching for the last 20 years of my life. But I experienced something when Sarah and I stepped into this office as pastors. I began experiencing something like I never had before. 
the word of God coming alive in a way to me. Like I said, like I never had before. And the best way to describe it, it was like connecting dots. Did you used to connect dots when you were a little kid? You get a picture and you don't know what the picture is, but there's dots, one, two, three, four, five, six, and you, you draw that line and it, what does it do? It completes a picture. And that's what started happening for us. And it's what's happening every time we come together around the word. Dots, scriptural dots are being connected. See, the Lord wasn't doing that for us just for us. It wasn't so I could sit in the living room and say, Sarah, look at this amazing revelation from the word of God. I love it. I appreciate it. We put it into practice ourselves. But he gave that to us for guess who? The body. It's so that you and I could come around the word of God and take this giant connect the dot page and start connecting this scriptural dot with that scriptural dot and all of a sudden the picture becomes clear we see what the word of God is saying we put faith in it and now it's working in our lives in a way it never had before connecting Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.